Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast. I'm your host, nurse journalist Jamie Davis. Our goal is to discuss important nursing practices during the COVID-19 pandemic and offer tips for nurses on the front line or behind the scenes. We hear you, we're with you, and we support you. Thanks for joining us, whether you're listening in the car, at your house doing everyday chores, or maybe just taking a quick break. In this podcast series, we will do our best to provide you with the most current information from our incredible community of nurses. However, you should always check with the nursing practice standards for the state in which you're licensed and working, as well as with the organization or healthcare facility where you work. Today, we have nurse educator Adrian Edland on the show to chat about her experience orienting new nurse graduates into the critical care workplace amidst the pandemic while facing some unprecedented challenges. Let's listen to Adrian discussing breaking down silos and putting together a team nursing approach to patient care. Hi, Adrian. I want to welcome you to our inaugural episode of the podcast here. And uh, I'd like to first start off with maybe letting you uh, introduce yourself briefly. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and your background. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me. So my name is Adrian Edland. I am a nurse in Rochester, New York at Strong Memorial Hospital, which is part of the University of Rochester Medical Center. Currently, I'm one of the service level educators for cardiovascular, thoracic, colorectal, and dialysis. So we have a pretty broad service that we cover, and it's myself and another service educator that I partner with. Prior to that, I actually was a progressive care nurse for a long time. I'm not going to say how long because then people can do the math and figure it out. But I worked on the advanced heart failure transplant and artificial heart floor as a nurse as well as as an assistant nurse manager. And then even before that, I worked uh, at a small community hospital. So I've had quite a gamut of experiences throughout my nursing career. I also work as a Joint Commission disease-specific surveyor, and I survey VAD programs throughout the country, which is really exciting. So we're going to be talking about new nurses. There are a lot of graduate nurses entering the workforce right now. And, and with everything that's going on with COVID-19, why don't you talk a little bit about what you do in your hospital system or what you recommend for other educators to do to support new nurses coming into the hospital amidst everything that's going on with COVID-19? Sure. So, you know, I've been a nurse for a long time and I'd be lying if I didn't say that it's scary right now. It's, you know, you like to know what's going to happen. You like to be prepared as nurses. You know, we have our check boxes. We like to make sure that we're doing everything we're supposed to. And it kind of feels like the rules are just constantly changing with this. And I think as a new nurse, it's a little bit of a terrifying time to come in. I think it's important that they know that, you know, clinically, they're going to still get the skills that they need as educators. You know, we, that's the easy part. We can make sure that we provide them with those skills and those opportunities and make them feel safe and supported in the care that they provide. But the piece that I don't know that they necessarily are aware of is that they really need to have an understanding of where they're at emotionally. It's nerve wracking, you know, reaching out, identifying mentors, 
identifying support people. It's one of the things that I feel like I've done more um, in my role is kind of being that therapist to that sounding board for people because there's just so much unknown right now. What do you do to um, bring them into specifically uh, you know, a critical care situation where they might be caring for COVID-19 patients? Um, what, what are you doing in your system? How do you adapt to that particular patient group inside your organization? Yeah, so we've, we've actually um, reallocated a lot of our cardiovascular service line nurses to go and work down in uh, what we call our highly infectious disease unit. And initially it was for Ebola preparations. Now, obviously, it's for the COVID pandemic. And a lot of these nurses had actually self-identified and said that they wanted these opportunities, um, whereas others were a little bit more on the fence. And from a need standpoint, we obviously needed people to be able to provide that care, and they require a really intense level of care down there for that patient population. So, you know, one of the big things that we focused on is recognizing that everybody's background that's going down there is a little bit different. Everybody's experience is a little bit different. I've done more individual needs assessments, I would say. You know, it hasn't been anything formal. It hasn't been sending out a survey and, you know, getting a robust amount of data back. A lot of it's just been texting with somebody and saying, hey, listen, you know, you floated to the Heidi last night and you're going to be down there for the next four weeks. What do you feel would be helpful? And, you know, I've got a lot of really open, honest feedback from nurses as a result of that, which was really helpful. I think educators have the opportunity to really kind of tailor what they're providing these nurses to make them feel comfortable and make this be less of a scary time for them. I know that the unit educator who's down in our Haidu had did, done a great job and, you know, developed proning education and um, put out their donning, doffing, making sure to obviously protect themselves from a nursing standpoint. But we had nurses coming back and saying, well, that's great, but I was partnered with an ICU nurse and I don't know anything about a ventilator or I don't, I don't feel comfortable drawing in, you know, an ABG off of an art line. So we recognized that we could kind of fill that gap and developed a lot of education and just-in-time training and teaching and tip sheets and things to kind of meet that need. One of the biggest fears I would say for our nurses was the ventilator. You know, they're, they're progressive care nurses. We don't have patients on ventilators. Our ICU nurses, you know, that's their bread and butter. So you know, I'm very lucky that I work in a very collaborative practice environment that I snagged our respiratory therapist. We made a quick five-minute video, everything you need to know about a ventilator. And we pushed it out to all of the staff and the response was overwhelmingly positive. Like they were really, they just wanted to see the tools that they were actually using in the environment and how they're supposed to be working and hear it from an expert. So, you know, I think that's the easiest way to really provide that support. And it, it doesn't take a whole lot. You know, you just have to reach out and find out what they're looking for in order to meet that need. In those situations where you have a more traditional learning environment or an educational opportunity, uh, what are you doing to observe social distancing and things like that? Are you using technology more or are you still operating inside a more traditional classroom setting at times? So it depends on what we're trying to offer. Prior to all of this, we were actually we're in the process of changing populations along our service and kind of blending the patient populations that different units take. So we had been offering these weekly cardiovascular education series and they were really well attended. But as soon as the COVID pandemic hit, it was, you have to have groups of 10 or less and, you know, following masking, you know, eyewear protection, all of those pieces. So Unfortunately, that at the time kind of went by the wayside. I will say we've gotten amazingly adept at using Zoom 
all of our staff, you know, without any training, just kind of adopted it. And thankfully, it's a fairly intuitive system. So we've used a lot of Zoom. We've recorded a lot of things. I love to video things. I'm a visual learner. So any chance I get, I will run around with my iPad and do a video and pop it up onto our um, site and distribute it to people because I feel like that's a good way for them to physically see things as it relates to some of our more traditional offerings. So, you know, when we're onboarding new nurses, they go to a standard dysrhythmia course. We didn't really have the time to kind of change it up completely, but we still had to offer them that educational opportunity. So one of the things that we did was we brought in more people to do the teaching and split them into smaller groups so that they were still receiving the education. So a lot of it's just about being nimble and making sure that you're still meeting those needs. For onboarding new nurses, we were finding that just because of the social distancing piece, when they would bring in these big groups, they wouldn't necessarily be able to do some of those skills that are required. So touching base with our unit-based educators, touching base with the staff nurses and saying, okay, what didn't you get an opportunity to do? Let's, let's pull you aside. Let's take you out and make sure that we give you those skills opportunities has been a really important piece of this. With regard to those nurses that are maybe in the middle of a residency period, you know, they were new nurses maybe coming out last semester. Uh, what do you do to change up their routine? Uh, has anything been com- become different for them? So, you know, I could speak to it, obviously, from our service line. Some of their preceptors all of a sudden were being brought down to work in our highly infectious disease unit. So it created a little bit of uncertainty for them. I think recognizing that they're going to be nervous, they're going to have a lot more questions, they're going to feel that they need to be supported more was really important. So doing frequent check-ins, making sure that they felt comfortable, making sure that they didn't feel like they were kind of being just you know, thrown to the wolves or anything. And I think we've done a pretty good job as far as that goes. You know, they develop a comfort level with their preceptor. They like their preceptor. And then when their preceptor goes away, it's it's like a piece of them. So, you know, making sure that we partner them with somebody who's going to still be able to provide those good clinical opportunities and, you know, making sure that that personality meshes well together are a really important piece. We didn't send any of our new people down to the COVID unit because it really requires pretty exceptional clinical thinking skills. And, you know, even if you don't have a critical care background, you have to, as a progressive care, as a medicine, really be able to advocate for your learning opportunities and learning needs and recognize when you might be being pushed into an area that you're not comfortable with. And that's just not a skill set that we expect our new nurses to have. And I think that would be the thing I would recommend. I, you know, I talk with people across the country. I've worked in a couple of different states and you know, the experiences of new nurses has been variable. You know, some nurses feel extremely supportive. And, you know, I like to think that our nurses felt that way. But there's other nurses who felt like, you know, they just ended up in a mass catastrophe, you know, and you you want to retain those people. I mean, you you spend a lot of effort in onboarding them and you need them to be there to be able to be those clinical people. So whatever you need to do to make sure that they feel supported and comforted and prepared to take on that population is really important. You mentioned talking to nurses that it felt like they'd be kind of thrown into something that they were over their heads a little bit. As the current surge is lessening in a lot of areas, uh, what are your thoughts about transitioning from that crisis mode back into a more conventional approach to our nursing care, whether it's you know changing the way we document or, or things like that that might change as we get out of that emergency mode that we're in in some areas? Sure. So, you know, I, I think overall nurses want to do the right thing. They want to 
you know, follow the rules. I mean, I think every nurse I know is a rule follower. So that being said, if you are down and you're observing practice, and maybe it's somebody who doesn't follow things appropriately or doesn't do things the way that they're necessarily supposed to be done, you're going to learn bad habits. And, you know, we find a lot that we have to kind of unteach those bad habits. And it's too soon right now, um, because we're just kind of coming down our curve um, here in New York and hoping that we don't have a second wave of it or anything. But I think it's really important to recognize that, you know, that's a possibility. That's, you know, one of the the things that could result from this. So, you know, auditing, um, checking in with people, doing some of those skills observations. One of the things that we do is a skills refresher where we actually go around and we will go over how to do things properly. Sometimes it's kind of eye-opening because people say, oh, I didn't learn it that way. So it provides us with that chance to check in and say, okay, well, listen, you're getting it from the horse's mouth. It's This is the way you're supposed to be doing it. If you have any questions, by all means, reach out to us. So I think we're going to have to do that a little bit more frequently because, you know, these nurses are getting opportunities to see things that they haven't encountered before. And they're learning from other people who may or may not have been trained correctly. So that'll be our responsibility going forward. You mentioned uh, the preceptors sometimes getting pulled into other units. And what are we doing to help uh, newer nurses feel, make that connection with um, either a different preceptor or their new preceptor they're assigned to in the midst of maybe the, some of the, like we mentioned earlier, the fear and the, the unknown that's going on in nursing care right now? Yeah, so for, for especially for our ICU, we are very lucky. We have a dedicated CNS who has not gone down and worked in the high So she's kind of been that point person for, for those individuals. And then myself and my other service educators, Cheryl, we work together. And I mean, we're talkers. We love to talk. So, you know, we go and we touch base with these people and, you know, I'll find out from the nurse manager, okay, what's their phone number? Let me text them. Let me see how things are going. So we've, we've done a lot of that informal communication. And I'm sure at times they're like, who is this person texting me? But honestly, it ends up resulting in a really nice dynamic. And with everything that's happened um, and the requirements for social distancing, I haven't necessarily been able to have that one-on-one like I had before with our new hires who are coming in. I haven't been able to go and meet them and introduce myself. So a lot of it's trying to catch them on the units and things, and it's not always possible. So having any sort of a method to do that check-in piece is really important. We've done a big push as an organization on that emotional piece of it. You know, we've kind of recognized that across the country, there's people who are really struggling with this and really having, you know, a lot of difficulty handling the situation. It's not just in the hospital environment. You know, I I tell my husband, going to work is easy. It's coming home and having to learn how to homeschool and, you know, be there for my kids and all of those other pieces that are, that's what's, you know, really hard. So you know, recognizing that there's outreach and support and that new nurses aren't going to know what those resources are. So making sure that it's as transparent as possible is really important from a leadership standpoint. I think it's honestly right now the most important thing you could do. You mentioned coming on the downside of the curve at the time we record this for you you all in New York. And I'm wondering what you might think about moving forward. There is another surge in the fall uh, coming up. Uh, What would you do in this downtime approaching you to prepare for possibility of another ramp up of cases? So that's, that's a great question. We've talked about that because we, uh, our governor is actually just now we're starting phase one of lifting restrictions and everything. And that's a big fear for those of us at the medical center is, 
okay, well, the weather's getting nice and everybody's going to get out and what's going to happen? Are we all of a sudden going to be inundated? Like we've seen happen in New York City. And New York City, even though it's in the same state as us, is like two different worlds. It's like Kansas and California. So, you know, what happens there isn't necessarily reflective of what's going to happen to us. That being said, you know, it's, it's like the Girl Scout motto, always be prepared. You know, we have downtime right now. We, you know, our census is lower than it usually is. We're building back up, but we have the opportunity to really not get thrown into this and to be a little bit more thoughtful in our planning. So, you know, we're developing more formal education versus our just-in-time education that we had developed to make sure that we meet these needs. The other thing that was really exciting is during some sort of a crisis, either it tears people apart or it brings them together. And from a service standpoint, I really felt like it actually united us quite a bit. We were, as educators, um, my counterpart, Cheryl, was doing the staffing for our service and kind of checking in with all the units and seeing who they had, what did they need, so that we could allocate as many nurses as possible to go down to the highly infectious disease unit. So one of the things that came out of this is we were sending a lot of people across our service line. So a cardiac surgery nurse isn't needed, so but cardiac medicine needed them or CCU needed them. So we were kind of, you know, juggling within, which isn't something we had done before. And it's actually created really good relationships and it's gotten people excited about some of the other populations. From an educator standpoint, it got me excited that maybe someday I can envision cross-training them to everything and just having universally trained people. I don't know whether that'll happen in my lifetime, but one of the things that we did do is we started doing team-based nursing as a service. So recognizing that we could utilize more um, or allocate more resources with less nurses through a team-based approach. So we had just started it when our curve kind of came down um, and we didn't actually need to pull the trigger on it, but we wanted to free up our CICU nurses to be able to go down and help and be that ICU body down in our HIDU. So we had a myriad of progressive care and medicine nurses who were really excited to go to our cardiac ICU and get opportunities to partner because at least it's cardiac. They know what they're dealing with. So we had started the cross-training process. We had actually done a lot of shadows And the response was overwhelmingly positive. You know, people were really excited about it. So I think it's something I don't want to stop. You know, we've got the momentum wing um, and knowing that this could change in the snap of fingers and we could all of a sudden be faced with the inundated medical system. I think it's really important to kind of continue that and make sure that we're as prepared as possible. It's interesting to hear you talk about the way the changes have become things that you may continue to adopt so that the crisis has really enabled you to find new new and better ways to operate. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most, though, when things kind of start going back to normal as an educator? You know, that's hard. I, I've actually, I don't want to say I've enjoyed that because that sounds weird right now, but it's been different. It's shaken things up a little bit. It's made me be a little bit more um, innovative and I always felt like I was pretty nimble when it came to educational needs, but I mean, this kind of opened my eyes that I needed to be a lot more nimble. So, you know, I don't know that I'm necessarily looking for anything to go back minus the idea that I'd like there to be less sick people and people to be okay and people to be able to be with their families and less of that emotional stress. But honestly, I think it's been a good opportunity for not just myself, but our service to kind of band together and and recognize that we could do something for a greater good. It's not just about yourself and kind of being siloed in what your responsibilities are. It's really about a collaborative approach and being a team and how can you achieve team success. 
We mentioned at the beginning of this discussion, um, nurse safety as a, a big issue, you know, across, you know, really staff safety. It's not just the nurses that are involved in, you know, patient contact and, and need to be protected. But I'm curious what your thoughts are. Is that going to change? And how is that going to be adapted to your normal onboarding process for new nurses now? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So having worked with the Joint Commission, um, donning and doffing is something that we we get training on and everything. As a nurse in the medical center, um, until this COVID piece, you know, kind of came to fruition, I didn't necessarily realize I was not doing every single step that I should be doing. You know, it was kind of an education on proper donning and doffing. But I think it's really important that you do have to protect yourself and, you know, making sure that you have the resources to provide the care that you need to to keep yourself safe as well as keep your patient safe is really important. I think as nurses, it's a little bit counterintuitive to put ourselves first before putting our patients, you know, like taking care of our patients. But I think that's something that we're going to really need to stress with new nurses because if you're not there because, you know, you put yourself at risk, you're, you're not going to be of any good to the patient either. So a lot of it's that ethical and moral ambiguity that kind of comes with things of, you know, do I take that time to put on my mask and, you know, all of my appropriate PPE before I respond to this patient in a code situation? And the answer is yes. You know, it's, you have to kind of rethink and retrain your brain that way. I mean, nurses are helpers. You you want to rush to the scene. You want to jump in and, and do absolutely everything you can. But again, you have to be mindful. We're, we're dealing with kind of an unknown threat at this point. Is there ever a point where you felt like you needed to cut corners or you heard from other educators that are working with new nurses that there was a need to accelerate the process because we needed to get people in place and, and working solo faster? Not in my organization. I mean, obviously, I've, I've heard from people, you know, especially down in like New York City and things where they were kind of forced into situations. We, I mean, we didn't experience that same incremental increase like they saw down there. So we had the time, you know, I can understand where you need people to be in the right places. I feel like, thankfully, I myself had to really adapt and really push out education faster than I had ever done before. Um, you know, I'd get given a topic by our director, like, listen, we need to have something on this. And it was expected, like, a couple hours later, let's, let's get this out. Let's make sure that the nurses have access to it. You know, so from that standpoint, sure. But the nurses themselves know. I mean, we really, we tried to be cognizant of the fact that there's a lot of distrust out there. You know, you turn on the news and you see people protesting the fact that they don't have enough PPE, that they're not working in these safe conditions. You know, you you see people are dying, nurses, doctors, respiratory, th- I mean, everybody. So it was really important as an organization not to, you know, shoot ourselves in the foot. And we wanted to make sure that our nurses knew that they were protected. I'm very proud, you know, as I said, I've talked to friends and other states and things of our hospital response. Like we never didn't have the PPE we needed. Um, people weren't forced to do anything that they weren't comfortable with. We, you know, tried to request and see if they were interested. We did that check-in process, like I had spoken about, where we made sure that their educational needs were being met. And usually the nurses that they were partnered with were doing an awesome job at, you know, really explaining those things, but they just, they wanted to learn more. Well, Adrian, it's been great talking with you, and we've learned a lot about how to help new nurses become more comfortable and the educators that are working with them to bring them into systems in the midst of uh, something of a crisis amidst all of healthcare at this time. So I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down and chat with me today. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
That will conclude today's episode of the American Association of Critical Care Nurses COVID-19 Support Podcast. You can stay up to date with us at our website, aacn.org, and for more great updates, connect with AACN through Instagram at Exceptional Nurses. You'll definitely want to come back for our next episode when we have Adrian back to talk about bringing nurses from other disciplines and units within the hospital into the critical care environment and how it improved upon the team approach to patient care in her facility. I'm nurse journalist Jamie Davis. Thank you for taking the time to join us in the midst of your busy day. We hear you, we're with you, and we support you.